Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated. But he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 AM and now at 106.3 FM. George Coronis now owns two world records after last week. The swimmer clocked a 56.12 seconds in the 50-meter swim in Queensland. He then beat the 100-meter freestyle record by a minute. He's 99 years old! But here's what I just read. He earned the world records in the 100 to 104-year-old age category because he'll turn 100 in April. This is flawed. I think they need to throw that record out. The guy's 99. There's a reason why that would have held the record in the 100 to 104 category. And it's because people don't live to 100. Like, I need this guy to live to be 100 to compete in the 100, 100 to 4. I'm sorry. You don't get to qualify because you turn 100 in April. Prove it when you're a hundred, George. George Coronis is his name. Ninety-nine. More like George Coroner. Nailed it. I mean, that strikes me as odd. His birthday's not till April, it's March, and he gets to be qualified for the hundred to hundred and four. The great thing about the hundred hundred to four is that only a select few make it there. Being alive to be in the 100 to 104 is part of it to me. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate from this. I'm tweeting this out right now, and I need people to weigh in. Does this guy get to have the benefit of the doubt that he's going to live for another month? That's nonsense to me. Brian just popped back in. I don't need him to hop on. I need him to hear this. This dude who... Qualified for the 100 and 104-year-old category? He was 99! That's bull bleep! You've got to live for another month! I mean, this guy's out here swimming laps around the 100-year-olds. He's double digits. These people are triple digits. That's cheating. What country is he from? He should be an Olympic athlete from whatever that country is. He shouldn't be able to represent the country straight up. He's from Australia. So they should call him a qualifying swimmer from Australia. Cheater! George Coronas. Two world records. My ass. His teeth look pretty good. I'll tweet it out. At underscore Adam Crowley. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Lev Bell likely to be franchise tagged. We knew this. People are acting as if this wasn't going to happen. It was always going to happen. And the Steelers should do whatever they can to keep him around for at least this season. Steelers are only going to have their championship window open for as long as Ben Roethlisberger is around. And Le'Veon Bell needs to be here as much as possible with Ben Roethlisberger. I've brought these stats up before, but two years ago, Steelers 
were four and five. They hit the wall, and then they gave the ball a bunch to Le'Veon Bell, won eight straight games, and he had 147 rushing yards per game. After the Steelers started off three and two last year, Ben Roethlisberger throwing a bunch of interceptions against Jacksonville, five. Ben Roethlisberger's numbers got exceptionally better after that point because Le'Veon Bell became in the offense, became part of the offense, and Ben Roethlisberger didn't have to play hero. The Steelers need Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon knows that. The report is that the Steelers upped their offer from last year, but they still haven't started at the 14-5 number that Le'Veon Bell wants. Le'Veon Bell's not the bad guy here. He's not. Now, many are going to paint it that way because they are pro-Steelers and not pro-player. Meanwhile, anybody at their job would always advocate for somebody making more money. At their job, they would say, well, so-and-so deserves a raise. I deserve this raise. I should be able to make as much money as I feel that I'm worth. But we don't put NFL situations on par with our own life situations. We don't compare the two. We don't compare what Le'Veon Bell should make to what we make because we don't make anywhere near what Le'Veon Bell makes. So we're always rooting for the team because, oh my God, why does that guy who's a running back deserve that much money? But if you thought about it, and you're a union dude, if you thought about it, and you're a working man, if you thought about it from a practical point of view, you probably would say, let the individual control his own value. I'm always pro-player, very rarely pro-team. I root for my teams. I want the Steelers to win. But I also want Le'Veon Bell, who's bashing his head against offensive and defensive linemen 16 times a year to be able to provide for his family down the road. Le'Veon Bell's not a bad guy for asking what he's asking for. Is he? 412-922-2874. Do you think that he's being a greedy SOB? Do you think Le'Veon Bell... Is asking for too much. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't. Because last year he thought, I'll get the franchise tag. And then whatever deal the Steelers offered me, I'll just get it on the other side of this franchise tag. I'm sure he thinks the same thing right now. I'll get tagged again. I can either play on that, or if the Steelers say peace, which now they're not going to. Someone else will pay him more than the Steelers were going to pay him. If he gets franchise tagged again, which it sounds like he's going to, then he will get this money, last year's money, and then he'll get a new contract after this season. Le'Veon Bell's just trying to make the most money possible, and the way to do that, I think, is with what he's doing. Get franchise tagged twice, make the most that a running back's going to get, a make this year, have it be guaranteed, and then go out and strike the bank big next year. Doesn't make Le'Veon a bad guy. It makes Le'Veon Bell a human being. Well, Adam, he's asking far much more than what other running backs in this league are being paid. Yeah, but also he's doing more than what they're doing. Le'Veon Bell led the NFL in rushing attempts and touches last year with 321 and 406, respectively. He also led the league in first downs. 
He has the most first downs attained since 2013. That's the most in the league. Le'Veon Bell is a number two wide receiver in addition to being a number one running back. Now, does that mean he should be paid like both sandwiched together? Eh, who am I to say? But it does to me mean he's worth more than your average everyday running back who catches passes. Well, this guy could catch the ball out of the backfield. No, he could take a swing pass. Le'Veon Bell can be flexed out wide. He can run routes. He can also take that swing pass. But he can do things that other players in this league cannot do. And he deserves to be paid like it. It doesn't make him a bad guy. It makes him a human. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Are you upset that Le'Veon Bell is going to turn down now, it sounds like, more than what the Steelers were willing to pay him last year? 412-922-2874. A lot of peeps be freaking out about the Steelers doing their due diligence on quarterbacks at the NFL Combine. I personally believe the Steelers don't need a quarterback this draft. I think the Steelers need to do everything they can to win with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm right now. So because of that, your first-round pick should be somebody who can help Ben Roethlisberger. Your second-round pick should be somebody who can help Ben Roethlisberger, so on and so forth. Quarterback, eh, no. Kevin Colbert said something along the lines of, doesn't hurt to have a lot of good players at one position. So he's not, quote-unquote, ruling it out. But I think that the Steelers are doing their due diligence on quarterbacks, not for now, but for the future. I've got my own take. Tim Benz had a great take earlier today. I'm going to steal his and couple it with mine. You can catch Tim Benz on my show every Thursday, but you can now catch him every single morning on the Tribs website for Breakfast with Benz. Ben says that the Steelers were scouting Rudolph and Lamar Jackson because when they're free agents, then the Steelers will have already done their due diligence. The Steelers will have already talked to these guys. The Steelers will have already thought about what their strengths and weaknesses are. I think that's a really good point. The Steelers will know what they liked and disliked about them at a personal level as much as what they've seen on tape. I think that that's the case. But I also think that this is a fire drill in how to evaluate quarterbacks for Pittsburgh. They always do their due diligence. I think they're paying a little bit more attention now than they have paid. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt this year. Knock on wood. Maybe it's it. Maybe he wins the Super Bowl and says, I'm done. So the Steelers need to hop right in next year, and they'll be ready to go because they just scrutinized the quarterbacks ad nauseum this year. I don't think that it can hurt to have a rehearsal. I did theater in high school. A lot better to know your lines than not know your lines. And if you know them backwards and forwards, then anything that pops up, you're ready to go. If your buddy forgets a line, you know how to improv back to it. If your castmate blows a tire, you know where you're going. I once had a friend, we did Romeo and Juliet, how cliche, at the end of my high school career, and he blew his line, and he cut out 20 minutes of the play. Because when he blew his line, my other buddy went to the next line, And it took out an entire section of dialogue. If you prepare and you're ready for these unforeseen circumstances, 
then when you get to that point, when you get to the real mayday, 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 when you get to draft day, you know what to do. You know how to prepare. You know how to evaluate. Because I think evaluating a quarterback is totally different than evaluating anybody else. Your pass rusher doesn't pan out, you can still win. Your quarterback doesn't pan out, you can't. Very few exceptions. Rehearsal, beneficial. And it's beneficial for the Steelers here to go through the fire drill, to go through the scrutinization process, so that when Ben Roethlisberger is done, when Ben Roethlisberger does call it quits, that you're ready to go with the replacement. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I am convinced that there is a quarterback from college who performed well at the Combine that's not going to be able to cut it at the NFL level unless he switches positions. He's got big hands. He's athletic. He can make plays with his feet as well as his arm. Sometimes makes the mental mistakes that you think, eh, I don't want it the quarterback position. I wonder if he can have his game translate from his conference and his college to the National Football League level. He's only got a career completion percentage of about 56. Ugh. I think Josh Allen should play tight end. When I look at Josh Allen, I see tight end. That's all I see? Every time. Tight end. Tom brought this up during the break. He said that Lamar Jackson had a great combine, and you're seeing headlines of, here's Lamar Jackson performing well. Here's a headline of Baker Mayfield playing well. Mason Rudolph throwing the ball well. Josh Allen throwing the ball well. And then at the bottom, the only guy that you see this with, look at all the misses from Lamar Jackson. They all had misses. They all had their mistakes, but Lamar Jackson has fallen victim to this narrative so much so that even the NFL.com is doing it to him. And I don't think it's racism. Let me rephrase that. I don't think it's intentional racism, but that's exactly what's happened. Tom, you were at the bar next to some guy, and you brought this up to him, and he was... One of them old Southern folk, what'd he have to say? Yeah, he was just an old white guy, and I turned to the guy I was talking to and said, watch this, I guarantee you that he will say he should play wide receiver. We turned to him and asked him, sir, Lamar Jackson, do you think he should be a quarterback or wide receiver in the NFL? And without hesitation, he said, well, you know, he's just going to have to move to wide receiver because those kind of players don't make it at that position in the NFL. They, they're too athletic, and uh, they need to move into a position that's more conducive for their athleticism. He reminds me of Cordell Stewart. Well, Lamar Jackson won the damn Heisman. That's the other thing that drives me wild about this, is they always jump back at you with, well, what about Antoine Randall? Oh, well, what about Terrell Pryor? They've switched positions in the NFL, and look, they had somewhat of a career. Yeah, they were nowhere near as close to the quarterback that Lamar Jackson was in college. Like, not even on the same level, not even in the same planet. I know, Tom, but he's just not accurate enough. 
Except he's got a better career completion percentage than Josh Allen. But he's a tight end. But he's a tight end. Josh Allen did that, by the way, in not a great football conference. No. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson did it in the ACC, won the Heisman Trophy. The other thing you'll hear is, well, his offense doesn't translate to the NFL. Bobby Petrino runs an NFL offense. He runs NFL pass patterns. He runs complex NFL schemes. If you think Josh Allen can do it, and then cite accuracy as the reason why Lamar Jackson can't do it, come on! You're just asking to be called a racist. Is there a single thing that Baker Mayfield does better than Lamar Jackson, by the way? I mean, he's more accurate, but he also had better wide receivers that he was throwing to because Oklahoma recruits better players than Louisville. Oklahoma had the best offensive line in college football. Exactly. With, without question. He didn't get touched. He didn't get touched. Pretty easy to be accurate when you have a pocket the whole time. It is. We'll get into some more of that coming up next because I think that the evaluation of prospects as it relates to their maturity is laughably sad if that makes sense. We'll get into that. Also, Tom Offerman had himself, producer Tom, one hell of a combine. He threw up. He'll share combine stories. I'll share mine. It's the Crowley Show. We've determined that this is what the sex in the shape of water would actually sound like. Not all that much different than regular sex. Sally Wigan hopped on the program to start the show unprompted. Well, I mean, I prompted her with my scorching hot takes on why the shape of water did deserve to win the Oscar for best picture. It's because they say that Get Out was a social commentary, and oh my gosh, it was. But I think that the shape of water created conversation. I think the shape of water allowed me to understand love in a way that I've never understood love before. (laughs) If a mute woman could love a fish, then anybody should be able to love anybody. But it also taught me the difference between being mute and deaf. Deaf people can't hear but can speak. Mute people can hear but can't speak. I never knew that. I had no idea. And I learned it because of The Shape of Water. I learned it because that movie got me to ask the question. These movies are all about asking questions. Get Out made you ask questions. But Shape of Water made me ask questions that I never even thought of asking before. Why would I ever think about a fish Banging a mute woman. (laughs) Now, I know there was that lawyer recently who had sex with his dog, but that's something different altogether. Now, Tom was out in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. We missed Tom last week. That's not because Kellen was bad. Kellen did a fine job, but we missed Tom. We need some continuity around here. A little consistency. We need some consistency. We need to keep the same thing going for the show to be up at that 300% ratings increase level. 
With Tom gone, though, I think he earned himself some brownie points with my boys, Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson, guys who I've had many a beverage with back in the day. Dale will be joining us in 14 minutes to evaluate Tom's performance. Tom, when you were in the hotel, do you use any pay-per-view board? So hard. Every night. Did you bill it to the room, Tom? I built it to the Steelers directly. Oh, very good. <laughs> oh, great. That's yeah. good they, love, well, right? they love when you do that. Nice. Before The Shape of Water came wait, out... Wait, real quick. What, what kind? I'd like what? to plead the fifth on that one, if that's right. Chandler watches shark porn! <laughs> Fishman porn. Before Shape of Water came out, that sounds like some sort of porno... Name, I, I I'm sure it's been out for years. Yeah, you get on the on the tuber or the YouTube aid or whatever the heck it is. I mean, so some people have told me that that exists. Uh, I'm sure there's a category for fish, man. Tom, I'm sure. I just want to know what you did when left to your own devices. Uh, it was a lot of just laying in the hotel bed and, well, watching some TV, might I say. Tom, you got a little bit drunk, didn't you? I got a little bit drunk. Yeah? I got a lot of it drunk. So every night, you guys were out pretty much getting after it, huh? Uh, yeah, it was an every night a thing. Uh, one night I went out by myself, though. Do you do that when you're home? No. But I have people around that I can hit up and go out with. Did Dale and Matt ditch you? They kind of ditched me. They were hanging out with John Ledyard and a couple other people, so I think they were like, when we're hanging out with the big shots, we'll, we'll leave the producer back at home. See, this explains a lot right here, because these would explain all the drunk text that I was getting from Tom throughout the his combine experience. Like at one point, he's texting me that he's going to beat the hell out of some Michigan or Michigan State fan, and uh, oh he was he was trolling him, telling him that his team sucks and they're going to lose, and Tom's going to win so much money on Michigan. I was sobbing. Actually, Tom did win money on Michigan, but that's beside the point. Like I think he was ready to fight. He was so drunk and bored. Not true. That Michigan State dude was like my best friend of the whole week. Yeah, <laughs> you okay? Full disclosure, pulling back the curtain here. So he's saying, yeah, that was my best friend. That conversation led into not only was going to come back and beat up Alex Lehew, but he was going to run from door to door within in the entire station with the baseball bat that's in my office. A souvenir bat, not not like one that's actually meant for beating people up. But he was ready to go to door to door and show his dominance over the entire cluster. That's weird, man. Yeah, it it's weird. He was hammered, dude. That's accurate. I can't dispute that part of the story. Tom, do you get a little out of control whenever you're hammered? No, not at all. Are you sure? Dale will actually come on and vouch for me that I don't. Dale, did you... <laughs> Damn, maybe I'm drunk. <laughs> did you, Tom, almost miss a broadcast on Saturday? No. No. No? No. You didn't almost miss one. It was a buzzer no. beater. Okay, so again, pull the curtain back. When we do remotes here at ESPN Pittsburgh or anywhere in radio, we have a remote text go out. They set up all the gear, get everything ready for the host. Everything goes nicely, and it's all good because we've got a lot of lead time in case something goes wrong. So about 8 in the morning, I text Tom. Don't hear anything back. So I'm like, okay, he's probably busy, maybe in the shower or something like that. Then I call Tom at around 8.41-ish, 45-ish, somewhere in that time, because I haven't heard from him. Now I've got a little spark of worry. Where's Tom? I don't hear him. He doesn't answer. I go to the board. I listen in. I don't hear Indianapolis. <laughs> the broadcast starts, 
I'm sorry, this is at 9.45. The broadcast starts in basically 15 minutes. So 10 o'clock, he's got 15 minutes. He's got a room that's probably about 12, 13 minutes away. A walk. Okay, so here we are. 15 minutes before, I haven't heard Tom. Okay, maybe he's all right. You know, Tom's a good employee. He, well, at least not at producing, but other things within within the station, he's very good at doing, and he's usually on time. He's usually very good at it. So, 10 minutes till. I'm texting Tom furiously at this point. I'm just like, Tom, you there? Hey, man, you there? Nothing, nothing. About two minutes later, I'm sprinting to the broadcast is the text <laughs> that I get. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, no, no. And I know he's drunk before because he's been drunk texting me all night about beating up people at the station. For charity. Crowley, three minutes before the show, which, as you know, and anybody who's done radio. Way cutting it close. My gosh, that is cutting it close. Way cutting it close. Did you, Ralph? No, I actually didn't that day. So you did throw up another day? At some point in the week in India, I did, but not during that morning. I think I was in too much of a panic to do it. <laughs> so here's the best part. I knew Lolly and Williamson must be really, really hungover because they're not panicking at all. They're not texting me. You know, three minutes before, I'm actually, like, composing the text to them. Hey, is Tom there? And I get a little thought. I'm like, maybe Tom's messing with me because he's that kind of guy. Yes. You know, he's just going to sit there and not answer me and all of a sudden dial in right at, right, right at the last minute. And he did do that, but it was because he overslept. The only thing, Crowley, that woke him up was my phone call. I was sobbing. If I didn't call, we'd have lost the broadcast. Tom would have been fired. Tom would have been fired. Oh, I'd, I'd have fired him so quickly. You don't even know. Like, that's the one thing I do not put up with here at the station. You miss a broadcast like that, like, I, I am cutting your ass so quick. Like quicker than you can oh quicker than you can say Tom quicker than Rick Pitino can have sex didn't have a tissue eh, not that quick but pretty close Tom two years ago I got in a little bit of trouble at the combine hmm. like passive aggressive trouble no one ever outright told me that I did something wrong but it was implied because I went out with. Dale and Missy and Labs and me and Dale stayed out way later than those guys did because they're responsible adults. Dale and I, not so much. And we were just ripping shots. I had a broadcast the next morning at 8 freaking a.m. And I got destroyed. But I was a little bit younger and I thought, oh, I can handle it. No, 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 no. I get to the broadcast with time to spare, 730, because I had to drive there. Because this was back when it was over at Lucas Oil Stadium. You didn't have to drive at this setup. I had the same setup last year. Yeah, you guys would have been after because Tom would have first gotten a DUI. (laughs) And that would have been the reason why he missed the broadcast. Tom's over there vigorously shaking his head. Yes, he would absolutely have gotten a DUI. So I get set for my broadcast, and I am green. I mean, I am green. And I just didn't have any energy. And the one thing that you can say, you might not like me, you might not like my takes, you might not like how silly and loosey-goosey we are on this show, but one thing you have to respect about me is the fact that every day when I show up for this thing, I have energy and I am ready to rock and I think it separates me. West Virginia basketball, not overly talented, but they will press you to death and they've got energy. That's me. I will bring the energy. Not that day. Oh my God, I didn't have it at all. And my Steelers boss, 
On the drive home, I get an email from him that just says, How you feeling, buddy? Oh, no. He knew. (laughs) They all knew. I had spent the night hurling in the Indianapolis hotel room all over the floor. Gerard from Steelers TV said, I can drink you under the table any day. He went to OU. And those OU people, they think they can party, but us Dove B people, we invented the party, baby. And we start pounding beer for beer. And I'm keeping up with them. I'm thinking, I got this guy. I'm kicking his ass. Bring it, OU bitch. Bobcat. You know what would kill a Bobcat? A Mountaineer. (laughs) If you got him with the first shot, but then you got a muzzle loaded. That could be a whole issue. By the way, you don't want to know the hand motion that I just made whenever I was saying muzzle loaded. We started pounding IPAs, and that's when it left. All the contents of my stomach. Oh, no. It was disgusting. See, here's the thing. About, I had to clean it up. Here's, a, here's the thing with, with, with us. Okay, we run. I like to run a loose ship here. You know, as long as everybody's doing their job, I want everybody here to have a good time. Because, look, that's why we didn't get office jobs. Because we like to do work, but we like to have fun as well. So part of going to the Combine or training camp or the Super Bowl or anything like that experience. is having drinks, hanging out, having a good time. Network. I, I think it I think it creates great content on the air, like clearly right now it is. But it, it creates a good atmosphere. But the thing is, and I believe that in college, you have to hone the skills of being able to party until late in the wee hours of the morning, but bringing it back when you need it. Yes. You got an exam the next morning. You got to be able to hold it together for that 45 minutes to an hour. You got to hold it together to get through that lecture if you need, if, if attendance depends on it. You got to be able to pull it together when it counts. You got to be able to drink and get stuff done. And Tom Cade, very close to not being able to do he that. He did. He did get it done, and I'll give him that. And and I got to say, secretly, I'm kind of laughing as this is all going oh, yeah. on because I'm like, I know exactly what happened here. Like, Tom cannot hang. Now, Tom, you threw up the day before? The morning I woke up the day before, yeah. Where did you throw up? In the toilet. Oh. I know that. Where? In my room. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because if you had thrown up at the Combine... You probably would have been alongside a couple of other people throwing up at the Combine, too. They had a lot of stalls lined up for those people. They did, and the fluorescent lighting there. Oh. oh. There's nothing worse than that with nothing. the hangover. That's why last year at the Combine, I couldn't drink. Because if I get hungover, the next day, I always have panic attacks. Anyhow, I get panic attacks hardcore when I'm hungover, because my equilibrium's all thrown off, and it just takes one little thing for me to be like, Oh, I'm dying! It's all over! And then with those lights bearing down, it's done. So I could not do it. Tom, you are a champion, at least in your own mind. I got to know, how much fun did you have with Dale? So hard. I got to know if the trip home was a happy ending. Didn't have a tissue. I got to know what your grade was for the combine. We'll talk to Lolly about that and maybe a little bit Le'Veon Bell. Get to that next. It's the Crowley Show. Adam's shocked. Like, I he am. had zero idea. I can't believe that anything happened. You got to give me one on the air that that you can censor at least somewhat. I'm asking just, for trouble. Uh, let me just say garbage uh, nachos. Oh, shoot. I did eat and those nachos. And I was involved with that, so I can you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I ate nachos out of a trash can, and then a Steelers team employee walked by and caught me and Dale shoveling food down our gullet. Now, let me say in my defense, 
This was this was a styrofoam container that was closed, and it was on top of the the trash can. So it had not been touched. It was fine. The guacamole was still lukewarm. That's how you want guacamole to be, right? I, I think so. Although the flies going moving around on it, we're not good. <laughs> Are we going to talk sports at all? Uh, no, I need I'm to sure hear. That's what your listeners ask every day. Is he going to talk sports at all? I need to hear more about Tom. I need you to tell me Tom's shining moment from Tom's shining yeah. moment was when Tom went over. Tom actually, after we shamed him because of the pizza incident, <laughs> um, Tom went over and came back with not one, not two. Not three, like six sandwiches from the uh, media center, which my, I might add was like two blocks away. So that got him, that got him a couple of demerits uh, taken off, the, uh, off the, the ledger. Final question for Dale Lawley as it relates to Tom. When Tom was a couple of minutes away from not getting you guys on the air on time on Saturday, what was going through your head? Uh, really nothing. I, I assumed that Tom was showing up because he had every other day that week. And, uh, so Matt Williamson and I were just kind of just hanging out. If we didn't get on the air, it wasn't anything. We were there. <laughs> you guys are going to, you guys are going to let poor Tom take the brunt of everything. I'm not even going to call him. <laughs> you didn't want to go on, did you? That's like when the teacher doesn't show up and everyone leaves way early because they're like, well, it wasn't our fault the class didn't happen today. That was pretty much how we were feeling at that point. I mean, you got to remember, Adam, I had already done to that point 15 hours of radio in three days. So if I did two more, I was, you know, it was, it was, you know, it didn't matter to me one way or the other. And nobody else was there. That was the other point. I mean, all the other team booths were empty. We were the only ones there at, at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Final but question. Matt Williams, and I, Matt Williams and I were there. We were there on time. Final question, Dale. Did you have to drive the entire way home? I did. I drove all the way back from my house. Goodbye, goodbye, After, goodbye. I might add, being the only person to do 17 straight hours of radio. Yeah, that to me is worth camp, a lot of demerits. That's that, bad. That, that, that gave back some of the demerits that he got taken away when he got the sandwich. Hey, Dale, um, one thing with that. Uh, what do you think the punishment should be for Tom for that? If he, achieved, if he uh, acquired six demerits over the Combine... Since they were all on your watch, what do you think a, a rightful punishment would be? I still want to see somebody on your show get a, get a Mike Tyson henna face tattoo. That's pretty good. That's a good one. And then have to walk around for a couple of days with it on. Yeah, it's henna. It's not like it's permanent, but you got it. I mean, there it is. You know, you got the uh, the what is it, whatever tribal thing it is. I don't know, but I think that'd be a good look for Tom. I like how you think, Dale. I got to look into how we can get one of those. We're getting one. Yep. Without a doubt. And then probably sloppy drunk Crowley is going to put one on. I'm going to have to call Dale after this segment. Actually, one more question <laughs> as it relates to drinking. Dale, do you do you even like drinking with me? Oh, absolutely, Adam. Okay. I love you, Adam. You know that. I do. I know you love me. I don't know if you love drunk Crowley. <laughs> let me let me just say this. It was I was it was much more uh, subdued this year than it had been in previous years. Yes. Like, I didn't stay up I didn't stay up past midnight any night. Now, part of that was because I had to be up and on, be on the air myself. You did. That night. helped me out tremendously, too, Dale. The fact that you had to be back earlier, I just don't want to get divorced. That's all it is. I mean, God <laughs> only knows what I'll do. I mean, I do a lot of stupid things, and I'm sorry, I'm my belly button pierced. I'm going to wind up walking home from 
St. Vincent College. And I'm gonna well, I've done that. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Dale. Yeah, I've done that with Mike, Mike Pursuta, so that's not, that's not anything new. Good company. I'm going to have to be careful with this sloppy drunk thing for the Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate coming up next Wednesday. This is going to be something I'm going to have to Yeah, you guys have the Great Pittsburgh of. Sports Debate, and you don't invite me. I mean, what am I? Not one of the team. Dale, would you like to come? I, would, I wouldn't to mind. To the debate. I, mean, I, you know, I don't know how much debating I'll do, but I'll watch you guys debate. You sure you don't want to come? So I could be the warm-up act. You could be. I'd rather you be my happy ending. Didn't have a tissue. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. None D- of that. Dale, this... Le'Veon Bell breaking news isn't all that breaking, is it? Uh, no, not really. Not really. I mean, this is, this is kind of what everybody's expected. What do you think ultimately winds up happening in this situation? I think eventually they get a deal done. I mean, I, I just think it behooves him. Um, he's not going to get what he's going to get from the Steelers. Um, you know, it's just not. They, you know, they have... They have what? What is that? What are you talking about? Dale, are you okay? I think so. What do you what 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 what's happening on your end? What do you mean? I don't I'm I'm in a baseball game, man. I'm in Florida. You're in Florida? I don't care about where you are. What do you think you're hearing? I heard I thought I heard Tom over the air. I don't know. This is this is just messed up. What is what's going on here? This is our show. It's always messed up. It's basically the radio equivalent of me after 17 beers. It's just sloppy, but we accept it. It is who we is. Our. Okay, as long as, as long as you accept it. All right, you don't want to be on with us. <laughs> we don't need to be talking about this anymore. <laughs> Have fun watching baseball in Florida. We love you. Love you too, Adam. Goodbye. Bye. My God. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I didn't know I was that big of a problem whenever I drank. Crowley, there's some stories like before I got here. Like, look, we've become good friends, yeah, um, workmates. But but I had somewhat of a preconceived idea of of who I was meeting before really? I met. Really? Yes. From yes. who? Well, from our former PD. Um, oh. he, t- he talked about events where you would walk up to certain promotions directors and face wash them at company events and keep doing it to the point where he had to yell and tell you to stop. Yeah, I've never heard Dan Quinlan yell before, but in my defense, I am a Pittsburgh guy. Quinlan's from Philly. I have to give him the old ones and twos, baby. That's a good point. That's gotta a good give point. it to him. You got to be able to take a face wash. But I heard other stories too. Like this guy gets after it. Like great sports debate. Like I was waiting. I was just waiting to come tackle you off the stage like it, when you when you were about to say something. This was last year. This year I will be ready again. We'll have the Snowflake Army there, and I'm going to instruct a few of them to kind of be like, eh, to go back to the topic we were talking about last week, like Joey from Friends when he's doing the interview and he has his friends next to him so he doesn't say anything stupid. That's how I'm going to have to set Snowflakes up because there will be dr- there will be beer consumed. You will consume it. You will consume probably more than... Most people are able to consume, which leads to you possibly saying something that you probably shouldn't. So, I think last look, I year, I love you, man, but 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 you get after it. You're pretty, from West Virginia. Would you stop <laughs> stepping on me? I'm sorry, God. Trying to talk here. Go so ahead. Hard. Enrique tweets: Dale Lawley's going to be Adam Crowley's fluffer. There's been rumors. Didn't have a tissue. Braden says, you don't have to worry about the sloppy drunk thing at the debate. 
Aren't you off the rest of the week? Yeah, but I'm not concerned about how I'm going to feel on Thursday. I'm concerned about whether or not I'm going to have a job on Thursday. Up next, my thoughts on The Shape of Water, Lamar Jackson, and I've been disagreeing with Sidney Crosby lately, and that does not feel right. It's Crowley Show. You see an eclair in the receptacle, and you think to yourself, what the hell, I'll just eat some trash.